0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Have a seat, and uh, let's pray together as we look at Joshua chapter 1. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that your mercy is new every day, every morning. We praise you for that. Thank you for your presence here, the beauty of this creation that we get to be surrounded by. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts and give us uh, illumination to the truth. Bless Paul as he's at Spring Hills this morning and use him. Thank you for the um, friendship we have as churches and also for the gifts in the body of Christ. Uh, so use him in a powerful way. We trust you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm Brett. If I haven't met uh, you yet, some of you I've met, known for a long time uh, in Sonoma County here. Even I started Spring Hills Church back in 1992. So we've been at it for 29 years. Our daughter was two years old when we started Spring Hills, and she's, I don't know, 30 something now. <laughs> 31. And uh, so, and she's on staff and all of that. So, anyway, um, we get it with church planting, we know what that's about. And appreciated uh, Paul and Kristen and their family because you went to Spring Hills for a while and uh, before you started. And so anyway, welcome. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 is um, the commissioning of Joshua as he takes over for Moses. Moses had led the uh, people of God um, in a very dramatic way, obviously, when he was called Uh, Through the burning bush in the wilderness. And then he led the people out of their bondage in Egypt through the Red Sea and uh, into the wilderness where God provided for them. They received the Ten Commandments and they came up to go into the Promised Land. And you remember what happened there. Uh, They became fearful. And the spies that went in, the 12 spies that went in, 10 of them came back and said, No, we can't do this. We're grasshoppers, they're giants. Uh, there's too many people in the land. They, they, they devour people that come in there. And you remember, they uh, they convinced the whole nation not to go in to the promised land. And so they turn back uh, into the wilderness. God said, "Not one of them who saw my glory uh, and the, the the signs I did in Egypt will enter the promised land." So they turn back into the wilderness, and for 40 years they wander. And we have the book of Numbers, (laughs) Uh, just the wandering of God's people. God provided manna for them and water from the rock, etc. But uh, it was part of their consequence for their unbelief. Um, So then uh, Moses dies and Joshua takes over. It's been 40 years. The people that were in unbelief have died off. And now it's time to enter the land. Now, if you're Joshua, you have a lot of fear for a whole bunch of reasons. One, you know, the people didn't go in last time. You got you were at the door, and it was severe what happened to them. You don't want them to not go in a second time, and not only that, but Moses was pretty impressive as a leader. I mean, he, you know, received the commandments, and God spoke to him face to face, and he saw the glory of God. And I mean, you are. You are the, you know, the protege of somebody who obviously, arguably one of the greatest leaders in the entire scripture, Moses. So chapter one is a commissioning for Joshua. And I, I guess I would, uh, for our own application, uh, ask you this question. Is there anything that God's really asking you to do right now uh, that is a little fearful for you? It might be a ministry. Within Soma Church, it it could be a new challenge. It could involve a new job or whatever it might be. What challenge is God calling you to do that creates some fear in you? It might be that you you know it's time to change something in your life. All right, you've you've had a pattern in your life and you've gone on for a long time. It's time to change it, but you're afraid. You're you're reluctant. You're hesitant for whatever reason. So I want you to think about your challenge as we talk about God's commissioning of Joshua to go into the promised land and to apply the principles, the things that God says to Joshua in your own life. Uh, So look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land, I'm giving them to the people of Israel and every place the sole of your feet, you, every place the foot your foot will tread upon, I will give to you just as I promised Moses. And then he gives the, the geography of the promised land. So Joshua, it's time for you to step up now and uh, to lead the people in. And this is what God says to Joshua, and I, I derive a lot of comfort from this and And hopefully you will too. In verse 5, here's the first thing he says to him. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Remember that the Lord is with you. Whatever the challenge is, you're not alone. This is the thing that Joshua really needs to hear. That the key to it all is God's presence. God giving success. God giving victory. The key is not... Moses' ability, you know, if you read the history of Moses, you realize he had some serious weaknesses. He was very reluctant to answer God's call initially. But God says, "As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you." So that's your first that's your first thought of any challenge that is before you. If you're going to if you're going to change something in your life, if you're going to get help, for a personal problem, a relational issue, a marriage thing you whatever it might be, a new ministry, you have to remember that the Lord's never going to leave you or forsake you. That he's with you. The great commission for the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus before the ascension, go into all the world, Matthew 28, you know, 18 to 20, go into all the world and tell the good news. Baptize people, teach them everything that I've taught you. And then I love the end of the Great Commission. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to, I'm with you always. That the night that Jesus, um, you know, talked about going to prepare a place for them, he said that same night, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your comforter, and I will come to you. You're not going to be alone. Listen, you're not alone. Today, you're not alone. Soma Church always has the Lord's guidance and presence, and he's here among us today, pleased by the gathering of his people. You individually never go anywhere alone. He's with you. So remember that, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Um, Daily acknowledge that in your life. then he says to him in verse 2, or verse, uh, uh, looking down here, uh, in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Not just is the Lord with you, but there's a part on that that we have to take hold of. We need to be strong and courageous. We need to take a step on the fact that the Lord is with us and will lead us. Now, in this context, we'll see it uh, three times God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. All right, I mean, it's look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. The Lord's with you. Three times. Now, why would that be repeated three times? Be strong and courageous. Well, because God knows our tendency to fear and he knows our reluctance to step out. And what was it that kept the people of God from going into the promised land the first time with Moses? It was fear. It was fear. You have your Bibles. Let's review that. Go to go to Numbers chapter 13. And uh, Numbers chapter 13 has the account of it. We can all find it, right? Numbers. Oh, I'm going forward. Go backwards. All right, here we go. Numbers thirteen. Send men, verse two of of uh, Numbers thirteen. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I've gi- giving to the people of Israel from each tribe. So they send the men in. They list out their names. Caleb and Joshua are among those who are sent in with the spies. In verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they returned. And they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation uh, in Kadesh. And they brought back word to them. They told him, verse 27, the land flows with milk and honey. And here's its fruit. I mean, there's so much milk there from the cows. There's so much honey from the bees. There's so much. Here's some big cluster of grapes and all that. But notice verse 28, here's their fear. However, circle that, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified, very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there, giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land and the Negev the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites dwell by the sea. That covers the whole land of Israel. You've got you've got the south. You've got by the ocean, by the Mediterranean Sea, and you've got the hill country bordering the east. They're all over the place. Okay, all these enemies, all these giants, um, and uh, Caleb quieted the people. Let's go up uh, at once and occupy it, for we are able to. Overcome it. Verse 32 They brought to the people of Israel a bad report. This is the 10 others saying, um, The land, though which we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people that we saw, great size, the Nephilim. At the end of verse 33, we seem like ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem seem to them. Um, Chapter 14. I want you to see the first couple of verses here. Chapter 14 of Numbers. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses, and the whole congregation said, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the swords, and our little ones will be killed, and on and on it goes. So they cry all night. And they, all the, all the inhabitants there, the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites, the devour people that come in there, they're going to kill our children. There's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. God's going to kill us too. And I mean, you can see why the Lord's uh, angry and forces them back into the wilderness. Um, is because of this. Now, that's why he's saying be strong and courageous. You got you to, Joshua, you, you got to, I'm with you. I was The Lord was with them 40 years prior. I'm with you. So be strong and courageous. You've got to do what I'm calling you to do by faith that I will provide for you. I'll empower you. I'll lead you. Uh, was it Tacitus, uh, ancient... Uh, Writer said, the desire for safety stands against all great enterprise. And it's it's as relevant then or now as it was then that we're hesitant because of fear. Because of fear. What are you afraid of? Somebody's going to find out that you need some help and so you're pursuing help and somebody will find that out. Are you afraid that you're going to look bad and you'll... If you do a ministry, you'll fail at it and it won't be as exciting as, you know, uh, having to explain to people why it didn't work. I mean, what are you you looking at? If you're looking at all the giants, if you're looking at all the obstacles, if you're looking at all the enemies rather than looking at the Lord, then, of course, you won't do anything. You won't do anything. In fear, the, the way to overcome fear is to find something greater than what you fear. Do you know anyone? I mean, I'm, I'll be with you, the Lord says, as I was with Moses. So when we recognize that, and we ought to state it every single day, the Lord is with me, the Lord is with me. He'll empower me, he'll give me wisdom, he'll give me direction. If it's not working, he'll show me what to do next. You know, we um, took a big step of faith when Spring Hill started. Uh, after we'd been at church for a while and bought the property on Fulton Road. And and we didn't have any money to buy it, you know, no money. We're like you guys and most churches wouldn't have any money. You know what I mean? Uh, we just, uh, so, but uh, we made an offer on the property by faith, totally by faith. And I told our church board, I said, even if this goes down, you know, in flames and doesn't do, doesn't get off, Ground zero. If it doesn't move at all and it doesn't happen, the Lord will be pleased that we took a step of faith in Him. I just I've always believed that because you know it's failure is not uh, trying something and having it not work. Failure is not attempting at something at all. It's not. So you know what do you have to lose? Trust God. What is He saying to you? What's what's a, what new challenge could you respond to Him? Be strong. And courageous. Um, usually, we're afraid because we're we're afraid of uh, what somebody else might think, and that's part of our problem. You know, we're we're afraid of people, or we want to please people, and we've got to get off of that to being obedient to the Lord and His commission, His call in our life. We've got to get off of trying to please others and and solely try to please Him. Um, one book I read years ago called the road less traveled Scott Peck the author said this it it really stuck with me he said courage is not the absence of fear it's the making of action in spite of fear the moving out into the unknown into the future it's making action despite fear if you wait for if you wait for fear to be gone it, you'll never do anything but if you'll make action despite fear based on the promise of god then That's true courage. That's true courage. Tim Hansel uh, said it this way, the trick is not to get the butterflies out of your stomach, but to make them fly in formation. I like that. Make them fly in formation. (laughs) But you're not doing that in your own strength. You're doing that in God's strength. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Now going back to Joshua says to him, <clears throat> in verse 7, "Be strong, only be strong in the Lord, the second of the three. And then the, at the end of the chapter, the people tell him to be strong and courageous. So the Lord tells him three times, the people tell him, tells him once. Uh, be strong in the Lord, verse 7, being careful according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to right hand or to the left, that you may have good se- success Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So, if we're giving principles here, the first one is the Lord is with you, the second one is to be strong and courageous, the third would be to do the right thing or to follow God's word. That's it, that's it. You want to be a success, you want your life to count then you want to follow God's word. Be careful to obey all that is written in it. Okay. Now, if you read the rest of the book of, of Joshua, what you find is that they have success when they obey God and they, they have failure when they don't. The first city they come to is Jericho, right? That's the first city. They're to march around it once every day for six days. And on the seventh day, they're to march around it seven times. And then they're to they're to give a big shout. There's a trumpet blast and a shout and the walls are gonna come down and they obey God. Kind of a crazy military strategy. Let's just march march around once for six days and then the seventh day, you know, and then let's all shout. So they do. All the walls come down except for Rahab's apartment, which was on the wall. They get Rahab and then they take the city. But if you remember the story, uh Achan who was an Israelite, took some of the devoted things in the city for himself. Now, the first city was to be devoted to God. Everything was devoted to God. The Israelites weren't allowed to take any plunder at all. It was all devoted to the Lord. But Achan saw a really nice jacket from Babylon and a a bar of gold, and he coveted them, he took them in disobedience to the Lord. So the next city they went to, Ai, a much smaller, easier city, they lost it, Ai because of the disobedience of Achan. Then they dealt with Achan, and then the victory rolled on again. The point is that it's illustrated in the book of Joshua. If you do what God's calling you to do, there's success. If you don't, then you open yourself up to not being fruitful, not being successful. It's just a principle. You know, we, we reap what we sow. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with your salvation, by the way. I mean, your salvation is secure in the, what Jesus did for you. We're going to celebrate communion in just a minute. But your salvation is secure through what Jesus did for you. You're in him. You're holy. You're blameless. You're righteous in Christ. But our lives as we live them out for God's glory, uh, you know, we can either use them well and hear well done, good and faithful servant. Or we can waste the one good life, one life that God's given us and uh, wish that we at the end of it had done more steps of faith and obeyed him. But maybe we wasted it. So it, it's like yeah, even the roosters agree. I got, OK, so um, anyway, so I love that sound. Oh, honey, we need to move out to the country. I mean, this is okay. Uh so, you know, you know what I'm saying to you. When, I'm not talking about your eternity. I'm talking about just your life. And so uh keep it according to God's word and it's a it's a blessing. Psalm 1: Oh, the the happiness of the blessings of the man who doesn't walk, you know, in the counsel of the ungodly or sit in the seat of scoffers or walk in, or stand in the way of sinners but his delight is on the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he'll be like a tree firmly planted, you know, by the river side bearing fruit in its season blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly blessed is the person who doesn't depart from God's word but is careful to meditate on it Day and night. To be careful to do everything that's written in it. So the Lord's with you. The Lord's called you. And you have his word. So there you go. That's our, that's our plan. So victory is one. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. Ultimately, it's a spiritual battle. And we, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, you know, and uh, high places. Ephesians 6, so what are we to do? Put on the armor of God, the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and faith, and the helmet of salvation, both your position in Christ and the way we live our life, because there's there's an enemy. There's definitely an enemy. Now, the average, oh, uh, well, Paul said this might happen. Yeah, temperature, oh, okay. <laughs> temperature problem. It's okay. I mean, if a preacher can't just preach with his Bible, that's there's a problem. All right. So, the average person has uh, uh, four Bibles in their house, you know, um, and they but they the average person can't tell you the first four books of the New Testament. Okay, not so much church man. So like I love Paul. I love your I love Paul's teaching. I think Paul's one of the yeah, anyway. Um, if I can boast about it, he's a, he's a really good Bible teacher. <clears throat> so you know the first, you're thinking in your head now, right? Now, what is it, Matthew? I always did Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. <laughs> we got it. All right. So um, and I had a professor at Dallas Seminary, Howard Hendricks, uh, who was a really great professor. And he said that uh, uh, this book will this keep you from sin. You know, or sin will keep you from this book. And then he used to say, "A, a dusty Bible whew, leads to a dirty life." I thought that was good. Charles Spurgeon uh, said this: that a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by somebody who isn't. I thought, and my wife's Bibles are always falling apart. Uh, um, so you know, God's Word, God's Word. Be sure to meditate on it, he told Joshua. So that's key also, because it's not just reading the Bible. You know, like, I read through the Bible this year. People come up to me all the time. I read the Bible last year. And I'm like, okay, let's read it again. You know, like, I read it, now what? Uh, it That's not what God told Joshua. It's meditate on it. There it is, meditate on it. It's more important that you meditate on Scripture and let it speak to you than just that you check off. I mean, do both, you know. Um, probably eight years ago, I started reading through the Bible every year. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm in my eighth or ninth year in a row of reading through the Bible. And I'm just like loving it. I wish I'd started, as soon as I became a Christian, to read through the Bible every... And actually, I'm listening to it. Um, and just every day reading. And you st- it starts to really stick in your head. And you know, I'm like, how do those Jewish people like memorize Old Testament scriptures and know them? Well, if you just read them. Um, and so I challenge somebody out there. You, some of you don't know what I'm going to read. I don't know what I'm going to read in my Bible. You know, I'm going to, maybe I'll read this. Okay, just start in Genesis and read through the whole Bible every year. And uh, so like today, we're in 1 Kings. All right, 1 Kings chapter 1, David dies, turns it over to Solomon Solomon's now going to become king, and we're going to go through Solomon's life, and that's always interesting. Um, or maybe just read, I, I, I think, read through the Old and New Testament uh, every year would be great for you. Or at least read through the New Testament every year, right? And then maybe the Old Testament twi- uh, every two years. I don't know, whatever you want to do. But the point is, meditate. See, it's like when you eat food, you know, you have, we'll have our lunch some healthy snacks. I noticed that earlier over there. Uh, you'll have your lunch, and that food goes into you, but it, it's got to go through quite a lengthy process to provide energy for your body. It's got to be digested, and there's different acids that get involved, and enzymes, and you know, all, your body just goes through all this stuff to take that lunch and make it into energy for your body. Well, think about meditation for your soul, and meditation of the Word of God the same way you think of food and digestion you got you take in the Word of God but it's, it's got to it's got to be meditated on it's like it has to marinate your heart it has to be truth that speaks to you um, so that's where memorizing scripture is obviously a really a really good thing to do memorize it and and learn it think about it have a verse okay don't don't turn it into a legalistic thing. You know, I read my Bible, I said my prayers, so I'm a, you know, I'm being a good Christian. It's not about that. It's, it's, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, encourage me, give me a promise, give me something that you're saying to me. Okay, so the Lord is with you wherever you go. You're never alone. And uh, you you want to be strong and courageous and you want to um, meditate on God's Word to do the right thing. Then, he says, then you're going to have success. All right? I love this. Everybody wants success. Am I right? Everybody wants to be successful. All right. Uh, verse 9, I've commanded you, don't be frightened. Uh, or verse, end of verse 8, then, uh, that make, you'll be careful. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. All right. What is success, everybody? What is it? Our world is so messed up with, with defining success, isn't it? I mean, our, our world, our prosperous. What does that mean? Well, if you, if you look at the world's definition of that, it is having more stuff, you know, that, you, that you're going to leave when you die. I mean, it's, whoever gets the most stuff at the end of this thing is the most successful. Uh, it might have to do with granite countertops or recessed lighting or a really nice car or a Tesla or, or additional homes or whatever it might be. You know, a nice office, a great title, some educational accomplishment. You're a success in this world. You are prosperous, But that has nothing to do with the biblical definition of success. Nothing did do. does that surprise you that the world's definition is like has nothing to do with what the scripture says. What is success? This here it is. To accomplish the purpose God has made you for. There it is. What is prosperity? It's to be fruitful for the Lord in this one life you have in serving him. So if you accomplish what God has made you for and you're fruitful in your life in serving him, guess what? God looks at you as a success. As a success. And ultimately, when we all appear before the judgment seat of Jesus, you know, to give an account of how we used our lives, uh, he says to us, well done. And by the way, you, you don't have to appear before your friends when you die, you we all appear before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're rewarded. We're rewarded. So, you know, Joshua Joshua didn't um you know he wasn't a wealthy guy. He wasn't uh driving the latest chariot or an electric chariot, a Tesla chariot or anything like that. I mean he he but at the end of his life he did what God called him to do. And there's the reward. Okay, there's the there's the success. So, good relationships. That's success. Good relationships. You know, resolving conflicts, forgiving people. There, That's good success. Being generous. <clears throat> generous with what you have. Generous with your money. You know, investing in eternal things. Not getting caught up in fear. People, uh, why don't people give more? But they're afraid. Right? They're afraid. and And... No, no, be generous, generous, more than generous, extravagant. You know, Mary poured out that whole vial of perfume worth a year's wait. She just poured it out on Jesus' feet. Pour it out. Um, that's success, okay? That's success. A marriage that works through the ups and downs, and every marriage has ups and downs, okay? There's the, uh, there's the engagement ring, there's the wedding ring, and there's suffering you know um but you work through it See, I can i can use stuff that's what paul's using all his stuff you know and <laughs> that's why we do pastor swaps so you can just use stuff that you haven't heard all right <laughs> um but you are uh, you working through your marriage all right i'm not saying you have a perfect marriage nobody does but you work through it you prayed through it that's success you get it what i mean what purity of life, holiness of life. That is success in God's eyes. And it's, it's uh, fruitfulness when you take a step of faith and you watch what God does. So reading through the rest of the book of Joshua, you know, just reading it, you see all these principles in the first chapter. You see them all illustrated they got to cross the Jordan River. It's the first thing that they've got to deal with. They're on the other side of the Jordan River. they got to cross over to, to begin and to enter in the promised land with Jericho being the first city. But the, Jeri- the, uh, the uh, Jordan River is at flood stage, and it's impossible to cross. So there's an impossibility right off the get-go. And God tells them, here's how we're going to do it. The priests are going to go first, carrying the ark. They're going to put their, keep everybody 1,000 feet, 1,000 yards, excuse me, 1,000 yards behind it. They're going to go, their priests are going to touch their feet in the water, and the Jordan's going to stop, and you're going to cross over. And so they don't, they don't argue, they just do what God tells them to do. Jordan River stops, and they cross over, and on it goes, Jericho, Ai, and the rest of the campaign. Uh, Because the promised land, everybody, the promised land is really a picture of the abundant Christian life. It it is. It's like you were in bondage in Egypt. We were all in bondage in Egypt. We were in bondage to sin and death. We were slaves to sin and death. Now, we were delivered. We were delivered by Jesus Christ, who uh, Moses is like a type of Christ, We were delivered out of our bondage to sin and death. We came to know Jesus, and we came to salvation in Him. We were free. Now there's a life ahead of you. There's a life where God wants to use you, and He's never going to leave you. That's the promised land. That's where you enter in and you possess the promises. You possess the blessings. You inherit all God has for you. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know he's with you. You're strong and courageous and you keep according to God's word and you possess all that you have. They had the the land was theirs. It was promised to Abraham, right? The land was, they had to possess it. You have all that you have in Christ. Now you go and possess it. And we encourage each other all along the way, right? You know why the geese are always honking? you know they at, at over at spring hills they uh they're constantly doing flybys and i used to love it i said this is great when we we're outside this summer this is great except for then they go into our vineyard and they eat four or five tons of grapes and it's like what the heck's going on here these geese you know but they honk the reason they honk is because each one of the the goose um takes the lead they switch the lead all the time cuz the lead is the hardest one. They're, they're like, they're charting the course. Um, and when another leader takes o- comes over, or to- comes to the front, then the rest of the geese are honking encouragement. Okay? So we're all doing this together. Just keep going. You need that leader. We have that, the Lord Jesus Christ and the assembly of the saints. We're just honking praise and encouragement and love because we want to get to where God wants us to go. All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this passage, and uh, thank you for Soma Church. Um, I pray that you'll really bless them. It's been a rough year for the churches of Sonoma County, but you you are faithful. You've always been faithful to us. You always will be. You'll never leave us or forsake us individually or as a church. We thank you for that. And I pray that... uh, as Soma Church goes through this summer and then on to the fall, they'll sense the clarity of your call um, to do what you have want them to do in Sonoma County. And same for all the churches, Lord. You give them prosperity and success and ultimately to please you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to participate in communion. So I'd like you to pull out your communion elements and and I I sent a picture of this to our staff because I hadn't seen this one. Have you how how long have you had this? <laughs> this double thing here? Wow. I mean, I we took communion last Wednesday night and I asked how many of you got the bread out and it was like about half. You know, so we are going to this. All right, so Yeah, you remember the old ones? You got to get the, you know, it's got two layers. Oh, okay. So uh, let's get uh, the bread. Take out the bread. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Said, uh, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus gave the communion in order for us to commemorate his death so that we would know we're free. I mean, it it really, the communion is for us. It's the gift of God. Because we forget that we are, you know, that all of our sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future, they've been separated us as far as the east is from the west, an infinite distance. So Jesus gives us this in order to remind us it's over, all right? You don't have to tone for your own sins. You don't have to make up something to, you know, for your sins. They they were paid for, and we need to be reminded. As often as you eat this bread, he said, and how often do you eat bread? We we take communion. Huh? What do you take it, once a month, or do you take it more? I don't know. Once a month, all right. But how often do you eat bread? Like Every day? Some of you, a lot of carbs three times a day, you know. But as often as you eat, as often as you eat bread, and he broke the bread, as often, do this in remembrance of me. How often do you need to be reminded that Jesus' death on the cross paid for all of your sins? That your sin debt was nailed to the cross. You need it all day. All day. And Jesus knows that. So, Let's take this in remembrance of him. In like manner, Jesus took the cup. This is the new covenant in my blood. You know, as often as you drink of it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The, the blood, let's think about this for a minute before you take it now. Let's think about the new covenant. There's an old covenant. Moses received the old covenant on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and the other laws. It was written on stone. It was external. Nobody keeps the old covenant. Nobody measures up to it. We all fall short. And so God in his eternal plan established by the blood of Jesus Christ a new covenant, a new testament, a new agreement with us based on his blood. What is the new covenant? God's laws aren't written on external pieces of stone. His law is written on your heart. It goes from external to being internal. The old covenant, you see the law condemns, constantly condemns us because we don't measure up. The new covenant, you fulfilled the law in Christ. You know that? you You've kept the law. The law no longer has a claim on you because in Christ, you're a law... Keeper. Also, God says, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. Now, when it says God's not going to remember our sins anymore, it doesn't mean that He, you know, God has lapses of memory or amnesia or something like that. It means to not remember it means He won't bring them up. He'll never bring your sins up to you. You're not going to get into judgment and God said, Oh, yeah, I remember you and your attitude. During, during COVID that year, you remember how bad you're at? You know, he's not going to bring up, any, nothing gets brought up because it's covered. It's covered. He remembers our sins no more and he is with us and he's in us. What a What a wonderful covenant we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's drink this in remembrance of him. And Lord, all we can say is thank you so much. Thank you so much. And and receive our praise and we glorify you. Because there isn't anyone among us that deserves what you've given to us. It's a gift of your love, your son. But we have peace in you. We have security in you. And we're filled with joy in you. And receive our praise now. In your name we pray. Amen.